a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Saturday Show, everybody. Hope you all are doing well on this Saturday morning up and down the Wasatch Front and beyond. Tuning in on the KSL Sports Zone and the KSL Sports app. That's the best part. Jay Catch here. Michelle Bodkin there. Michelle, what's up? Not much. I... I'm a little, fu- I'm feeling a little fuzzy. It was a bit of a late night for me last <laughs> night. Sure. Uh, and kind of cold, shockingly cold, actually. That wind was no joke up at. Those darn thunderstorms keep messing everything up, I don't they? I know, I know. Like, can we just not have some, like, nice softball weather without, like, the extra? <laughs> Be nice. There's no doubt about that. Uh, of course, Michelle was up uh, covering Utah softball in the Super Regional. They're. Mm-hmm. Second time hosting it, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? First time. Oh, the first time hosting it. They've played mm-hmm. in it before, though. Yes. Okay, so got it. Okay. First time hosting it. Uh, but they did fall 4-3, so they're, mm-hmm. now they're in a hole. They have to win today. It's at 3 o'clock, right? Yes. Okay. So, of course, you'll probably be up there covering that again, I'm assuming. I will, and I'm hoping no thunderstorms. <laughs> well, this week has been like afternoon, all of a sudden thunderheads are like popping up everywhere. I know, so crazy. I know, oh, crazy well. we stuff. Need, we, need the, we need the precipitation, though, no, so yeah, not too mad. No doubt. Uh, thanks again for filling in, filling in last week. It sounded like, by all accounts, the, the uh, cook-off event went very, very well. So Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I hope we keep doing that i hope we yeah. keep thinking of other things like that to do sure. it's nice to just kind of be out and about and mm-hmm. say hi to people and i love being outside and i mean who doesn't like sampling <laughs> anybody else's cooking if you don't have to cook it it's great right like <laughs> yeah. no, no doubt about that so uh fun stuff there i've got a lot to cover ahead on today's show we are going to uh, be joined by brian howell from the boulder daily camera and also buff zone uh covers the colorado buffaloes he had a one-on-one with Rick George, the Colorado AD, and there was one particular part of it that generated headlines yesterday heading into the weekend. Uh, I call it a non-committal commitment to the to the Pac-12. <laughs> that's, pro- that's probably essentially where everyone's kind of sort of at. Sure. And so we'll hear from him at 1030. Uh, we also got technical fouls to come. We got plenty to talk about on the NBA playoffs front. RSL, college football as well. So there's plenty to have fun with. Uh, but of course, as we usually do on today's show, let's start off with everybody's highlight of the week. Michelle, will you start us off? Yeah, I think my highlight of this past week uh, was getting my podcast up and going again. I saw um, that. Yeah. Crimson Corner is back rolling. It's back rolling. We're, we're doing stories that matter. And, and the first one, I mean, 
It's a great one. <laughs> I, I've told David Kozowski's story before. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, his situation has grown and advanced over over the years uh, since I last talked to him. So it was great to catch up with him, find out what exactly he's up to. He's doing a lot of work with uh, Kenneth Scott and Robert Johnson uh, in promoting better social health. Mm-hmm. Uh, across the Salt Lake Valley with assemblies and, and some of that kind of stuff. So it's really cool and important work that they're doing. Sure. Um, and I just, I love that three of my friends actually oh. are, are teaming up okay. and, and, and doing something that's important and matters. And uh, you'll be here, we'll be dropping another episode next week. It's another story I've actually previously done okay. that uh, has some advancements. And, ah, okay. and uh, this is going to end up actually being kind of a KSL exclusive. So right. I'm really, really excited about this. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. It's always that's always good to have stuff like that going on. So that'll be fun to hear from hear, hear more on that front from you with Crimson Corner up and rolling. Uh, is it? I guess let me ask this question: How often are you planning on Crimson Corner? Is it a weekly thing? Like, what's the plan for it moving forward? Uh, I think weekly. Okay. I think weekly with some of those bigger stories and sure. stuff that. I, Meteor, meteor feature type stories. Yeah. Um, it just might be a little bit hard to try and do that okay. more than once a week. But yeah, so weekly. Very cool. All right, Corey. Uh, of course, Corey producing for us this morning. Corey, what was the highlight of your week, sir? Uh, I'm going to go all the way back to Sunday. And I know, can you hear me? For some reason, we're having a hard time here. I think you're on, though. So go, keep going. I am on. Yeah. We've had some board issues. Yes. <laughs> I know. I got, uh, I got you. Mine goes all the way back to Sunday, which okay. I consider the first day of the week. And Michael Block. The PGA Tour pro mm-hmm. that not only did he stay in contention all week, he got paired up with Rory McIlroy on Sunday at a major, which just had to be a dream come true. But then he steps up to 15 and he hits the ace. Yeah, you're playing with Rory on a Sunday. You're two over par on your round, and you get a hole in one to get you back to even par for the championship. It was, it's not hyperbole to say it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in sports to be watching it live as it yeah. happened. It was so cool, and that guy's weekend was just incredible. But to cap it off with the hole-in-one playing with Rory, that was just one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Well, and the best part is he's 46 years old. It's like it's like the it's like it's the stuff movies are made of. Honestly, like he's a pro that's uh, working at a public golf course in California. Makes 150 bucks a lesson. Uh, his uh, his his caddy he brought to the PGA with him is a full time caddy for Pebble Beach, uh, and the caddy himself said, "Hey, with all this notoriety, I'm going to I'm going to have to increase my rates as, as a caddy." <laughs> uh, but he he obviously got the invitation to play in this week's um, Charles Schwab Open. I'm actually trying to pull that up right now to see where uh, he, he where he's playing. He's also got an he invite. The cut. He did miss the cut. Okay, yeah. but he's also going to play in the RBC. Uh, not the RBC Heritage, it'd be the RBC Canadian Open uh, in July as well. So he's getting his opportunity, and it's, it's really cool to see him living his dream. Uh, um, highlight of my week was just, I'm, I'm going back to kind of last week as well. Took the week off, went down to St. George with my, with my wife and kids. Just fun to hang out with them. Like, I, Dad works a lot. We all know this, but it, it was just fun to hang out with them. I went over and saw, by the way, if you've not seen Gunlock uh, Falls, mm-hmm. it's kind of it doesn't happen a lot because of all the water issues we've had in the last decade or so here in Utah. But when that water is spilling over those falls, there's nothing like that. It was really cool to see. I'd never seen it before in my life. Huh. So down there, Gunlock Reservoir, it's out west of St. George. I never make it down that way. Like never. Oh, you need to go down there. You also you also commented <laughs> I know, on yeah. Veo pies <laughs> worth the trip alone. Awesome. Awesome stuff. And had a great time, had some good food, and obviously spent plenty of time in the pool with my kids because they love the water. So 
Well, I mean, they would be crazy if they didn't. I know. So. But it's fun all the same. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, let's dive right in. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the NBA, some college football as well. Let's get to what's the big deal. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. All right, uh, let's dive in. And obviously, the NBA Finals are half set. Uh, the Denver Nuggets are in. They swept the Los Angeles Lakers. On the other side, uh, Boston has given themselves some hope. Uh, they were down 3-0, have battled back to win two games. Uh, Michelle, we've never seen the reverse, uh, like the, the go down 3-0 and, and bounce back. They have, they've never pulled what the Boston Red Sox did to the New York Yankees back in mm-hmm. 04, as, we've all, as we all know. Going down 3-0 and then winning four straight to make it. The question will be, can the Boston Celtics make that leap? And that, we've been talking about it all week on, here on The Zone. I was I co-hosted Jake and Ben on Thursday uh, with Jake Scott, and we were going back and forth on it. And I was of the opinion, I'm like, okay, I think Boston gets game five, so they'll push it to 3-2, which is what they did. And then I think tonight, which is game six in Miami, Jimmy Butler is going to be like, yeah, this is over. <laughs> Where do you stand on it? I don't know. I feel like we kind of had a similar conversation about the Denver Nuggets, that they've never made it past, and and this has kind of been how it's been forever, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, those old stats, they they no longer mattered. They got through. They punched through, so... I don't know. I I feel like maybe maybe we're willing this to destiny by <laughs> by falling back on past history. Some ways, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the thing about this. It'll be interesting to see if um if it, if, if Boston can pull it off. Because mm-hmm. me and Jake, for example, on, on our conversation, we both agree. If you look at just on paper, the Boston Celtics roster looks like it's the better team overall. The issue has been. They're in the at least in the first three games, Boston was like asleep at the wheel, and they just refused. They just were like, "What are you guys doing?" Because huh. meanwhile, Jimmy Butler and the the host of undrafted uh, free agents that are make up the majority of the Miami Heat's rotation were just kicking their butt. And that's the thing I love about a guy like Jimmy Butler. There are so many stories of him at every stop in his career where he has taken quote unquote scrubs. And has just wiped the floor with people. There, there's a famous story. Have you ever heard the story about him and the Minnesota Timberwolves when he was with the, was in Minnesota? I haven't. Uh, he was on the outs with their front office. Okay. So he came in for a practice, and he took their third string team. He said, "Put me with these dudes. The dudes that sit at the end of the bench never get in the games." Yeah. He went out there and beat that the first the starters, all the first stringers, beat them like a drum multiple times in a row. <laughs> Then, as he's uh, then he gets done, he's like, and he, and Scott Layden, who's a former executive with the Utah Jazz, right. ex- executive with the Minnesota Timberwolves, he's yelling at Scott, saying like, "Give me my money" or something. As he leaves the court, he didn't even stay for the rest of practice. He showed up, kicked all y'all's butt, and walked right out the door. That's incredible. But that's what Jimmy <laughs> Butler has been most of his career, and what he's doing right now is what I love about the Miami Heat, for example, is they just play like like their hairs on fire. They yeah. they don't stop. There's no, well, um, let's take the end of this quarter off. No, they just, it's go, go, go all the time. And I think that's something that Boston has struggled to stay up with. Now, Boston has won the last two games, so they've given themselves some hope of maybe pulling this off. 
But there's a part of me that's like they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna slip at some point here in one of these next two games. I think most likely tonight, and that's when Miami gets the knockout punch. I mean, we've heard. I, I mean, it's a, a sports cliche. Hard hard work beats talent any yeah. any day, and it sounds like that's kind of what the Miami Miami Heat have been doing, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And we've seen it we've seen it elsewhere. How how many times you know has like USC rolled into Utah, and <laughs> I I could I yeah. don't remember what year it was. Oh, they're just another football team. And it's like, well, they're just another football team that beat you because they're sure. not resting on we're talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they put they put some hard work into it, and again. Kind of maybe sounds like that's a little bit of what's going on here. Boston's looking at themselves thinking may, they maybe looked at their own yeah. roster and were like, well, pff, we're clearly the more talented team, so this shouldn't be hard. But when you when you go against you know a team that doesn't care about that and they know they have to work extra hard in order to be there and prove themselves – you know, a lot of times those kinds of teams, they, they end up running into a bit of a buzzsaw. Well, and that's kind of been the part about it is, uh, so uh, with regards to Boston, Jason Tatum is one of the easily 10 best players in the world, maybe top five. Like he's just, he's absolutely phenomenal. The problem has been, he has been, a, I don't know if that was my, my laptop or I Michelle's. think it was me. Uh, but regardless, <laughs> uh, the thing about this is, is he he has taken uh, moments off in this series. Jalen Brown, who I agree with, uh, me and Jake were talking about this, Jalen Brown's looking for a max contract extension, and he's eligible for it. But Boston doesn't want to give it to him. So he's got a little bit of a beef, I think, with the Boston front office that may be infecting his play on the court. But it kind of goes down the down the roster here for Boston is they've all kind of taken moments off in this series. Even their head coach, Joe Mazzula, he's 30-some-odd years old. He admitted after Game 3, I didn't have my guys ready to play. And it's like, Coach, yeah, what are you doing? You're in the Eastern Conference Finals. You have a chance to punch your ticket to the NBA Finals and make yourself one of the best coaches, in theory, in the league. And you go out there and say, uh, we, we weren't ready for this one. And he may be trying to take the blame on himself in that circumstance. That's a bad place to have that uh, come out. You can say that yeah. regular season on any given night in the regular season, but when it comes, you're one of the final four teams left. Yeah, you're supposed to be one of the best of the best of the best. And the when you're one of the best of the best of the best— you're always prepared. The scrutiny, like gets you're always up. prepared, yeah. yeah, or at least you're expected to be. <laughs> Good point, and that so that's that's where I, I sit right now. Is I what I'm enjoying about the Miami Heat is to your point, hard work when it, it's got some talent around it. Because Jimmy Jimmy Butler is easily a top ten player in the world right now, easily like he's phenomenal. On the opposite side, Denver's got two of the guys who I think are top fifteen at the worst, and Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. So. The, the question will be, is Boston finally going to crack, or were those first three games the wake-up call for them to be like, hold up? Yeah, we got we to gotta get our horses in gear. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see where it ultimately pans out, but I've, just, I've got a feeling that the Boston we've seen the last two games, I'm not sure they can keep it up for four straight to, to obviously come back and win it. It'd be unprecedented. Nobody's done it in NBA history. They've been, I think it's 149 times, if I recall, in NBA history. The team's gone down 3-0. Not a one of them has ever come back. The question will be, can what Miami does, where they just bring it, everybody on that roster brings it, will that be too much for Boston tonight in Miami? Yeah. Uh, I mean... You know this. This kind of brings up a question for me. Okay. It is Boston dealing with a bit of a culture problem. Well, and that's been the big question as well. Is 
Joe Mazzula was kind of thrown into that job. The Ime Udoka situation, as you recall, he got uh, he got suspended and then ultimately let go by Boston, and uh, they it forced them to throw Joe Mazzula right into that head coaching chair. Like they were like, "Oh, we gotta we gotta react here and get mm-hmm. somebody in the, in the place." The funny thing about this is, if you were to if this had happened, let's say the news had broken last summer, there's a really uh, interesting possibility that a guy like Will Hardy, who's now the Utah Jazz head coach, and right. has proven himself to be a very bright young coach, he could be sitting in that chair that Joe Mazzula occupies right now. Right. Because he was one of the top assistants on Ime Udoka's staff last year when they made that run to the NBA Finals. So that's the question is, you're right, is there a culture problem within Boston? I think that there is I – mean, culture is an interesting dynamic because mm-hmm. there is culture – like, look at Miami. We're going back to the Miami example. Right. Pat Riley – is one of the godfathers of the NBA. <laughs> he built the Showtime Lakers into what they are. He made the Miami Heat-New York Knicks series of the 1990s must-watch television. If you remember those brawls that were called basketball games. Yeah, you had me look a couple of them. They up. were absolutely <laughs> legendary. Uh, but he's been in Miami for two-plus decades now since he left New York. And he's he has a guy in Eric Spolstra who works for him who they have established a culture. If you look at their roster, Michelle, if you look at the Miami roster, there are, I want to say there's four of the top eight guys, in my opinion, on their roster, are guys who were undrafted. Mm-hmm. They have, they were like essentially prove-it guys who came in to Miami, proved that they were capable of being players, and have made good on their bet. The other thing about that is each one of those guys, I guarantee, has got a chip on their shoulder, knowing that there were 60 other guys in the NBA draft whenever they came out of the draft that were, they're like, they thought these sixty guys are better than me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go show all y'all you were you were dead wrong about that. I think it's kind of the ethos of what Miami's got going on. Whereas Boston, under guys like Danny Ainge, had built a very strong culture. It felt like Danny had been very good about bringing pieces in and fitting them into what Boston was doing. The question is, has it already fallen apart since yeah. his departure? That and we'll, we'll see. I think there is money politics at play. Like I said, with Jalen yeah. Brown, he wants that max contract. Boston's over there, like, okay, you may be an All NBA player, but we're not willing to pay you two hundred and whatever million dollars over well, five years. And here's the thing about that: like you said, that he's kind of not played up to expectations. At times, at times. Yeah. doesn't matter. Like, yeah. okay, if you think you deserve that money, you better be bringing your A game every single night sure. because you're not going to convince those people that you deserve that money if if you're taking moments or mm-hmm. nights off yeah. like it's just not gonna happen <laughs> well and you make a very good point because he, he there there's some thought out there and we've discussed this and i've heard it on multiple other shows is that he is he's tried to prove it in a way like it, this sounds very weird but he's tried to prove it mm-hmm. and he doesn't he's not getting the feedback that makes him think he's gonna get it so he may be at the point where he's kind of throwing his hands up and said okay whatever does that make sense? Yeah. Where he's kind of tired. He's kind of over it in a way. And he's like, right. yeah, what? But to your point, the other issue is he's if he were to leave Boston, he gets he can still get a max deal. But it's like a $50 million, five zero, like $50 million difference in yeah. terms of the money he could get from Boston on a super max versus what he could get for just a regular max deal. And we all know that these guys are all about, well, not, not all of them, but most of them in the NBA, they're all about the prestige, the the limelight, and there's some thought that he's thinking over there, well, if I was given the same uh, usage rate that a guy like Jason Tatum, who's far and away Boston's best player, if I was given the same amount of shots, touches, et cetera, that Jason gets over here, why wouldn't I be able to prove that? And it's like, okay, 
You may think that, but to your point, Michelle, you make a very good point. Why are you not playing like the Miami Heat over here and playing all out every single night? Exactly. Well, and okay, fine. Like you're you're tired of that situation. Sure. I, I get that. But you have to understand, okay, other teams are also watching what you're doing. And yeah. so if you if you have it in your head that you think you're going to go someplace else mm-hmm. and get this, like look, leaders lead. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how many touches you're getting. It like it doesn't matter. You if you're really into this, if your heart's really into this, you're bringing your A game every week. Yeah, well, you're 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 gonna you're going to show it. Yeah, you're gonna show up, and that, the, this lackadaisical attitude because you're not getting what you want, no. isn't going to result in you getting what you want. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's a very very good point. Is that right now because. Denver's sitting over there, like just waiting. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the thing about this. There's a whole another conversation that's going to come up. Let's say Boston does win tonight. They push it to a game seven, which is Monday night, if I'm not mistaken. There's going to be the whole debate because if you you're, you're old enough to remember the '98 uh, Jazz Finals, mm-hmm. the Jazz had ten days off. Meanwhile, the 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 Chicago Bulls were in an absolute dogfight in the Eastern Conference Finals that went seven games. There was the whole debate, okay, the Jazz are going to have 10 days off. Are they going to get rusty? Well, people will tell you that the Jazz looked rusty early on in that 98 finals. Yeah. I would agree with them on that. That's going to be the debate now with Denver having this layoff, how much rust is going to accumulate for them, whereas whoever emerges from the East over here, might they, the fact that they've been playing and have that edge to them, might they have an advantage that I think if it were equal, Denver very much has the advantage, but they may have just that that sharpness going into the finals that could help them surprise in games one and two potentially. I, I mean, I certainly think that's a thing. Like, I, like you do need rest, mm-hmm. but I think there is such a thing as too much time. There's a routine to, that you to, get into, yeah. There, there, there's the routine. There's just the – if things are clicking – and then all of a sudden you're not pra- like practicing or preparing to keep the clicking up, <laughs> it's going to go away. Sure. Um, or I think it's very easy to kind of lose that. I think even thinking back to, uh, you know, looking at Utah softball last night, yeah. I think that might have been a little – they just weren't as sharp as they normally have been. Yeah. Um, well, so, I, I would agree with you on that. So, I, it's, you know, I mean, we, I, we see this happen all the time in sports. The the 98 Jazz is, as you mentioned, another example of. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a very, very real thing that, you know, you maybe lose your edge if, if you're sitting around for too long. Well, and that, okay, and I'll add this one thing. We're going to hit a break here. We're going to come back with Brian Hell here in just a minute. Just to the Utah point, to me last night watching Utah – I think the nerves may have gotten to them a little yeah. bit because this it was a it's a big deal for for Utah. They've it's never a hosted moment. a super regional. They got the opportunity because UCLA stunningly got knocked out of their own regional, the number two team in the country. That's the other thing about this is how much are the nerves for a program like a, a program, a franchise like Denver, for example. They've never made the NBA Finals. They yeah. they've made franchise history by sweeping LA and then making the finals. They've never been on this platform before how many nerves are going to be in play whenever the play whenever the final start we already know it's gonna be june one they, they that was the funny thing about this when they were talking about the potential for sweeps in both conference finals mm-hmm. we'll just take nine days off they were not they were the finals are set june one we start we start and it was like well that'd be weird but it's part of the deal so <laughs> it, i don't know i'm interested to see how miami and boston respond tonight and then obviously you know denver sitting over there like 
All right. Well, we're, we know we're not playing until next Thursday, so let's just let's hey, just rest let's up. Just hang out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. We will come back on the other side. Brian Howell from the Boulder Daily Camera uh, made some headlines yesterday. Uh, had a one-on-one conversation with Colorado AD Rick George. I uh, had a very interesting comment in it that has uh, people um, speculating, thinking, wishing, pleading, hoping. <laughs> Any other adjective I can use there to about know. Colorado potentially jumping to the Big 12. And it goes in line with a report earlier this week from Barry Trammell from the Oklahoman, who we had on with DJ and PK. And Barry came on, I thought, made a very good point about he thought three months – he said three months ago, I would have told you the Pac-12 sticking together. He said, today, I don't think so. And Barry – Barry's not been a guy who's been writing story after story after story right. in on this. So it's been a very interesting week on the conference realignment. <sighs> Michelle's favorite topic. Uh, it is my favorite topic. We're going to dive into it more. <laughs> we'll also get some thoughts on Coach Prime, by the way, uh, how things are going up there with his complete roster overhaul in Boulder. That's with Brian Howell next, right here on the Saturday Show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. There's the latest they're looking to move soon. So what's the latest on the uh, on all that? Well, look, I mean, uh, you got to believe about a third of what you see out there. And, um, you know, we're, we're members of the Pac-12. We're proud members of the Pac-12. And, um, you know, we've, we've got to see uh, where our media rights deal lands and, and uh, where our conference goes. And, you know, in a, in a perfect world, we'd love to be in the Pac-12. And, uh, but we also have to do what's right for Colorado at the end of the day. And, um, you know, we'll evaluate things as we move forward. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone. Just heard two voices there, one being Brian Howell. The other is Colorado Athletic Director Rick George. Brian Howell joins us now. He's the Colorado Buffalo's beat writer for the Boulder Daily Camera as well as BuffZone.com. Brian, thank you for carving out some time for us here on a Saturday. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Uh, so I'm going to start here. You just heard uh, the clip. Obviously, you were part of that interview with Rick George. Uh, it made headlines yesterday. Obviously, a, a number of college football writers uh, took that quote and were putting it all over social media. Uh, give us your overall sense of what uh, uh, Rick George meant when he uh, talked about the fact that he said, we want to be a part of the Pac-12, but we're going to obviously uh, keep our options open in a way. Yeah, you know, in a lot of ways, it's the same message uh, as always mm-hmm. is that, you know, they do want to be in the Pac-12, um, like he said, in that perfect world. Um, but the reality is it's not a perfect world. And uh, it's, uh, you know, the longer this drags out, the less perfect it is. And I think the one difference in that quote to me was that he's generally uh, been, you know, more, I guess, he's talking more about kind of the solidarity of the, of the 10 remaining schools. Um, and this, he didn't you know, really say that. That doesn't mean it's not there. But this sort of, to me, um, opened that door a little bit more than I've heard him in the past to, hey, we might be looking somewhere else. So, Brian, on my end, I've covered kind of the University of Utah's side of things. I'm just kind of curious to get what you're feeling throughout this whole process has been from Colorado's and, um, you know, since my scope is so small, I'm going to assume your scope is kind of more small, is smaller and more narrowed in as well. Yeah, you know, mine is definitely, you know, on Colorado and, um, you know, a, a lot of the reporting on all this stuff, uh, I, I leave to sort of the national guys that have all those uh, contacts and everything like that. But from the Colorado side of things, it's, 
Um, I do think that from the start, um, the day that USC, UCLA left, um, I do think that that their preference has always been the Pac-12 and that there's been a lot of confidence in the Pac-12 to get things done. But I think that confidence, and I don't think this is exclusive to CU, I think the confidence in the Pac-12 has lessened um, over the last few months. And, um, you know, I think that there's been several times that we thought and that the schools thought a deal would be getting done soon and it hasn't gotten done yet. And um, So I think the more this drags on, like I said, I think confidence goes down and the schools have got to look um, out for themselves and figure out what they're going to do. To your point, Brian, the reason you brought that question up was the report from Barry Trammell from the Oklahoman, longtime sports columnist out there. He's been a regular on the show that I produced, DJ and PK. We've had you on there fairly regularly as well. And he came on and he said that three months ago, I would have told you that the, the Pac-12 sticking together. So they're going to figure a way out. But then he, when he came on with us earlier this week to talk about his comment about Colorado being willing to jump to the Big 12, quote unquote, soon, uh, he said that. Three months ago, I thought the Pac-12 was sticking together. He says, today my tune has changed. And this comes, I think, from Tuesday or Wednesday when we had him on. He said, I do think that there are Pac-12 schools looking to make a move to the Big 12. Uh, when it comes to all this, you talked about the fact that confidence seems to have been lessened or eroded away for the Pac-12. What do you think that George Klyovkov and the people inside the Pac-12 office could do to, I guess, reinstitute that trust in the conference? Is there anything they can do at this point? Yeah, they can get a deal done. <laughs> you know, I, honestly, I think yeah. that's what it comes down to. I mean, you, you need to get that deal done and have something in front of your schools to where they can see what their value is. And um, I, I think that's been the biggest issue is that uh, there's been talk for months that mm-hmm. there's going to be something coming up soon, something coming up soon, and that doesn't happen. And, uh, you know, I, I agree with that that sentiment that three months ago I would have thought, yeah, this is going to happen. I mean, CU is not going anywhere. and neither is anybody else, but um, as time goes on, it's like, yeah, I think there might actually be something. And I think that CU, Arizona, Utah, whatever schools you can bring up, I mean, they've, they've got to look at some other options just in case this is not going to turn out well for the Pac-12. Colorado has also, I think, just recently I saw a tweet or two, I, probably from your report, that Colorado's looking into the Big Ten as well. Uh, you know, how realistic – do you feel like that is? I I know that the Big Ten has kind of come out and said they're done for the time being, but do you think there's a future there for Colorado, you know, five to seven years down the road? I think there could be. Um, I don't think it's anything immediate, but I think that every school wants to position themselves to be in a spot where they're more attractive to the Big Two at some point in the future. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of reasons why, you know, see you hire Deion Sanders, but one of them could be that they need to be more nationally relevant to where they're they're attractive. And you know, whether Deion's here four or five years from now, I don't know. But um, you know, if CU's more relevant and a better football program in four years, then they're more attracted to a Big Ten or SEC. Um, you know, I, I think anything's on the table at this point. I mean, I don't know if what the ACC is going to do. You know, if Colorado could be in play there, but you know, I think that uh, there's a lot of things that are on the table. But for now. CU has got to position itself to be attractive in the next round of uh, expansion and, and conference realignment. I probably should ask you this question. Brian Howell from the Boulder Daily Camera joining us, also uh, covering the Colorado Buffaloes for Buff Zone out there in Boulder. I wanted, I probably should ask you this question after my first question, but were the comments from Rick George, what you got from him, were, were they surprising to you? No, not really. Okay. Um, 
like I said, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's the same message in the past as far as, you know, hey, we like the Pac-12, we want to be here. Um, it was probably more so that uh, he did leave that door open a little bit more okay. to, yeah, we are looking around. But it didn't really surprise me just because following the national landscape, you know, everybody's got to open that door a little bit more so than they did probably three months ago. There's also been some rumor of discontent, I guess, with Colorado's like big boosters. How much of what you think uh, was said the other day has to do with that and maybe trying to appease, you know, some of the people that are donating big money to Colorado? I don't think it had anything to do with that, but I I do think that, you know, CU knows that it has to be more relevant uh, to be more attractive to its donors as well. Um, and they've got to win football games, and they've uh, they've got to be in a position to where their future looks strong for their donors. And so, I'm not sure the comments really uh, had that in mind, but I do think that I mean that's the use goal. They've got to be more attractive uh, long term, so that it's boost, so their boosters can give more money and you know help uh, fund this program. That you know right now is obviously you've know, got a lot of financial things coming up. Yeah, you talk about the finances, uh, Brian, and Obviously, the hire of Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, was a was a headline making thing. And by the way, it continues to be a headline making thing. It feels like every day, just with how many players he jettisoned and is bringing into Colorado. But you talk about the financial component of all of this coming in, NIL, uh, transfer portal, collectives. Does Colorado? Do you feel like they have the booster group in place that can help? I guess step up to the plate financially there. In some ways, yes. I think that uh, they would like that to be more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's where they've got to win football games. I mean, that, yeah. the one thing is that there's there's a lot of excitement with Dion coming in here. But at the same time, I think that these fans have heard so many times in the last 15 years, hey, we are, we're we're here. This is the next guy. This is, this is the coach that's going to turn us around. Uh, they've heard that so many times. I think there's probably um, a measure of some of these boosters and fans are like, okay, let's – Let's see it, actually, because you still haven't won football games. You know, talk about the impact of bringing on a guy like Deion Sanders to kind of be the the face of the program and breathe new life into it. You know, do do you think he's done what Colorado has needed him to do so far? And what do you think the expectations are heading into this season for him? Yeah, I think he's actually done more than Colorado anticipated uh, with the financial impact and and the uh, the attention impact, you know, I just wrote a story yesterday that they made they turned a profit of over two hundred thousand uh, dollars on the spring game, and they've never made a dime off of that thing because nobody ever comes to it. And so, uh, and that profit's just off of ticket sales and concessions. And then on top of that, they also had the largest quote game day uh, merchandise sales in their history um, from the spring game. So. Uh, that's just a small part of it. They sold out their season tickets for the first time in 27 years. They did so in April. The last time they did it was in August. Uh, they had a record day on Wednesday. They started uh, single-game ticket sales. They had a record day for how many tickets they sold that day. So uh, the attention is through the roof. I think he's done more so than they ever anticipated he would do. Uh, but now it's about putting this team together, trying to mesh 70-some new players and uh, go win football games. You talk about the fact he's trying to yeah completely overhaul this roster. You can you you you're covering this day in and day out. So you can correct me if I'm wrong here. 
the way I read it, there was only one player held over from the previous uh, last year's roster, or was there? It was a complete turnover. No, it was. There's actually technically thirteen. Okay, so it's, okay, yeah. got it. Okay, yeah, but it's it's not very many starters. It's only got a couple it. different starters. Um, but yeah, there are thirteen scholarship guys from last year, which is not very many. Um, there's actually, I think, more. I believe it's more uh, men's basketball players are coming back than football players, which is insane. So um, it's almost a complete overhaul. I mean, of, of the 85 scholarships, there could be close to 75 scholarship guys that are brand new to the team. When you take a look at that roster, uh, obviously, again, it's kind of being pieced together and understandably so. Uh, you kind of have to sometimes tear something apart in order to rebuild it again. What do you think are the strengths of this Colorado team, and what do you think are the weaknesses that Dion's going to have to continue addressing in order to get them better? Well, you know, I think one of the strengths of this roster is that they've got a ton of guys that have been at places where they either didn't play a whole lot at a Power 5 school like Alabama, Washington, whatever, or they were at an FCS school, and they, they have a bunch of guys who need to prove themselves. I think that that's kind of one of the positive strengths is that they they're going to have competition at every spot where guys you know want to prove themselves and they have this second chance and I've kind of made this uh, kind of statement before but like you know we all know the show Last Chance You on Netflix mm-hmm. well this is sort of <laughs> turning into Second Chance You uh, for a lot of these players uh, because you've got guys that you know have been at Alabama for three years and didn't play you know guys have been at Washington that you know didn't play a whole lot things like that so. It is sort of a second chance, you and I, I do think the other strength is they've got a lot of team speed uh, at the skill positions and also in their front seven and, and their secondary. So they've got a ton of speed. Weaknesses are you don't have a lot of power five experience, and you know you look at the guys they're bringing in, and like I said, there's a lot of power five backups. There's a lot of FCS guys. There's some JUCO guys. So you don't have a ton of power five experience. And then the other weakness, obviously, is you know, you don't have team chemistry right now because literally I think it's like 50 of the scholarship guys will go through their first official practice when they open August camp. So, uh, you know, you don't have team chemistry right now, so you've got to build that quickly. <laughs> That's crazy to consider. Brian Howell from the Boulder Daily Camera joining us here on the Saturday show on the KSL Sports Zone. And, uh, Brian, you talk about that, that mass roster overhaul. Uh, Michelle covers Utah heavily for KSLSports.com on on the opposite, and I cover BYU, and BYU's making the jump to the Big 12, and uh, with people I've talked with BYU, they talk about expectations as BYU makes the leap to the Power 5 levels, and I think most people think if BYU can make a bowl game this year in their first year as a Power 5 program, it's probably going to be, uh, I would consider, a successful year overall. I, I say that to say this, what are the realistic expectations for year one of the Coach Prime era for the for, for the Buffaloes in terms of just a record? Yeah, I think realistic expectation is just get to a bowl game. Okay. Uh, when you're 1-11 and 11 from last year, and not even arguably, they were the worst Power 5 team in the country. Uh, you look at point differential, and it was dramatic between what theirs was compared to like the next lowest. Uh, so if you can do that with such a massive roster overhaul and, and get to a bowl game, I think that's an unbelievable first year. Now, that's not going to match the hype, mm-hmm. and people are going to expect <laughs> a lot more than that, but people that are realistic, you know, a bowl game is probably about their ceiling. Yeah, and that's uh, I, 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 that's kind of where I kind of pegged it because you're, you talk about the fact 
50 plus guys, they're going to have to mesh over, is it 29 practices in, in training camp in August? Is that what they are allotted by the NCAA? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I think so, it's 29. So, yeah, there's just there's a lot of work to be done. Do, do you feel like this may be a storyline that it may take those 29 practices to get guys on the same page, but they may not necessarily, I guess, coalesce and kind of gel maybe until midseason? Yeah, I think it's a team that probably could be better um, towards the end of the year than the, than the early part of the season. But, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, they're not going to be patient. I know that. I mean, he's. <laughs> I asked him once about chemistry, and he said he's not that worried about it. And actually, kind of a funny story: a friend of mine was at a, an event uh, this week that Dion was speaking at. Like a, uh, his company had something there, and he asked Dion this question about uh, you know team chemistry, and, and he, he said that Dion's response was, "Hey, some of you guys in here probably met your wife and proposed within the first couple of months that you that you, that you met her. So how could you make a, a commitment like that, a lifelong commitment?" And you're worried about me gelling a football team, <laughs> you know. So he was kind of making this that, you know, hey, I can I can put a football team together in a few months if you can uh, figure out who your wife is in a couple of weeks. So <laughs> it, it was kind of a, it was kind of a funny comment. He, that that that's beyond confidence. So and and you know, I think that they, like I said before, I think they're they're really going to rely on. And I've talked to some uh, some of the current players that are coming in that I think that this hunger is going to bond these guys i think that they can come together quickly how quickly i don't know because uh we've never seen something like this before all right brian where can people find all your work what's the easiest way for them to follow you yeah go to buffzone.com or uh follow me on twitter at brian howell 33 well brian appreciate carving out some time for us here on a saturday and keep up the great work and of course we'll be checking back with you checking back in with you as the season draws a little bit closer all right sounds good thanks guys there you go, Brian Hell, Boulder Daily Camera. That's that's actually okay. When he said that that whole analogy about the meeting your wife thing, I'm just like, well, I think people in Utah can relate. Yeah, to that. yeah. I um, I'm so glad you said it because I had the same thought. Hey, I was like, huh, okay, that sounds familiar. I have. I'm 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 not going to say his name. Literally, one of my best friends from high school, Michelle. Three weeks. They've been married for 13 years now. It's crazy, but I mean, sometimes it works. It might be even longer. That might be even longer than 13 years. But yeah, but. Crazy, crazy stuff. And to Brian's point, he said, yeah, a lot of it sounds like the same stuff. But he said, Rick George has been very much like we want to be in the pack. Like He's talking mm-hmm. about like the whole like we're, we're a unit here, speaking of the Pac-12. But he, that door is cracked open for Colorado, obviously. For sure. Uh, and I think one of the things that maybe hasn't been made terribly, terribly clear throughout this entire process really for anyone mm-hmm. is – People are always talking to people. Oh, yeah. like like even when this circus stuff isn't going on, like yeah. fans need to understand these conversations are constantly being had mm-hmm. everywhere. Like, and if your school, your president, your AD are not having these conversations, you should be very worried and concerned. Like people are always filling each other out. People are always growing and building relationships. Just in case for this very reason. Yeah. Um, so it, th- this isn't like a really weird, shocking revelation <laughs> uh, per se, but like I, it, it was worded a little differently than mm-hmm. it has been in the past. And, that, and that's that's why I think most people latched onto it. That, that's the thing, because I think you made a very good point. Like your focus is really kind of narrowed it on Utah. Brian's is on Colorado. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you've got people like a Brett McMurphy, a Dennis Dodd, John Canzano, John Will, on down the list, 
who theirs are more conference and nationally uh, their their scope is mm-hmm. more broad, and they're taking that and obviously gonna guesstimate, speculate, whatever they're gonna do with it. So, interesting times. Very interesting times. I I will say I think I think we're about due for the Pac-12 to say something again. It's it's it been March. It's been March since March since there was kind of a big. Is that the one that had the consummating in the in the statement that I just made me completely uncomfortable? Uh, I bel- that might that could have even been the end of February. Okay. But like, even just having like people step up and mm-hmm. speak, like yeah. I, it's just it's been a while since there's been some transparency. They had that I, kind of that three week spurt where yeah, presidents and ads were all speaking out almost at the same time. Exactly, right. it's kind of quiet. It's been a little bit quiet. I you know I think. I think for the health of the conference, some people need to step up and, and say something. They do. And we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll dig into this a little bit more. I do want to discuss this a little bit further. We'll get that at 11 o'clock, actually. We'll dig into this. i got a couple of other questions I want to pepper you with from your perspective on it. We'll get to. Uh, coming up next, we get to technical fouls. More in a moment. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, if you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a blast. Because that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, office. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone. Michelle Bodkin, Jake Hatch, and it is time now, as you heard, for technical fouls. And Michelle, let's start off with yours because I think this is a good one. Uh, and I think this goes to the the former player turned coach. And sometimes it's hard to turn it off. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so New York Yankees manager Aaron Boone has been suspended one game and fined an indis- undisclosed amount for his recent conduct towards major league umpires, including the actions following his ejection. From Thursday night's game against the Baltimore Orioles at Yankee Stadium. Um, this is the fourth time this season that Boone has been ejected from a mm-hmm. game. Um, and this latest one uh, stems from an argument over balls and strikes Thursday. Boone appeared to accidentally hit home place umpire Edwin Moss. Mos- home plate. They misspelled that. It's not oh, home yeah. place. It's home okay, plate. I was, I, the, yeah, that Come on, make CBS sense. Sports. Heavens, Um, Edwin Moscoso uh, in the face with spittle. Uh, 
look, here's the thing. I I am all about being fiery and passionate uh-huh. and, you know, fighting for your team, whatever. But, like, there's a smart way to do it, and then there's a really dumb way to do it. And you're doing it the dumb way if you're constantly being ejected from games, which he has, like, a history of being ejected 30 times, like, overall in his career. Yeah, he took over his manager in 2018. He's been ejected 30 times in 760 games as their manager. It's a little excessive, bud. Okay, here's let me offer a rebuttal, though. This is the kind of the new era of manager. Think back in the day. Lou Pinella was up in everybody's grill just going after guys. You had... You had uh, managers kicking dirt on umpires back in the day. There, who's the famous? Uh, there's the minor league umpire. Remember that one where he threw the rosin bag like it was a grenade. He like had this big old. You need to look that one up. You, oh man, he yeah, he, he not, like lost his mind. Watcher. He like pulled a base out of the path and was walking with it, and then like kind of doing this army crawl up to the mound and grabbed the rosin bag and threw it like as a grenade towards the. What? <laughs> Here's the thing. Okay. Umpires don't want to be spit on. Nobody wants to be spit on. No. Gross. It, it, it's gross. But <laughs> this one, I, I don't know. I guess this is kind of the new era of this. But I'm a guy who, growing up, it was like these managers, Tommy Lasorda, like the, they got away with a lot more than this, it felt like, back in the day. Now, MLB's tried to, call, to tone it down and everything. But there is something about seeing a manager lose his ever-loving mind on an umpire that th- these baseball purists absolutely love. So I don't know. You're right. His history suggests, okay, you calm it down a little bit. Aaron is obviously a former player, and I think that there's just that that competitive fire in him still. And he's obviously been – he's been on the hot seat, by the way, in New York multiple times during his run there as well. So that – I don't know. Very interesting stuff there. We'll see what happens, if if anything comes along. Uh, I also got a technical foul once again. Hey, uh, New England Patriots, stop cheating. (laughs) Uh, They lost two of their OTA workouts, off-season team activities, a.k.a. Practice. I don't know why we have to call it organized team activities. It's the dumbest thing. It's practice. It's off-season right. practice. Uh, they are losing two days of organized team de- activities due to a violation of off-season rules. Uh, they had been scheduled for one this week on Thursday. It was canceled. Uh, that was actually be the first. It was going to be able to be attended by reporters. Uh, funny enough, they got canceled. And they also said that uh, they will cancel one this week. They were taken uh, away as part of the violation, according to sources. And uh, this is the thing about this is. The, there's a situation ongoing. The way I read this later on is that they had exceeded the amount of allowable hours for the players to be in the team facility. It's something that Mike McCarthy, the past two at least years with the Dallas Cowboys, had exceeded those and had been fined multiple times. Uh, and McCarthy actually this year was smart enough to cut back on it to avoid that fine because it was like it's like hundred thousand dollars last time. Dang. Bill Belichick got fifty grand uh, lighter in the pocketbook as a result of this one, but. It just it goes more to the Patriots and their history of bending the rules, as it were, deflating balls. Uh, you know, there's there's a whole <laughs> spy gate and you know filming team practices so you can get a get a look at what they're doing. Like, okay, what are you doing? It's, it's crazy stuff. All right, um, and then one other thing. Uh, let's see, where was this at? Real quick. Oh, um, world of tennis, real quick. Okay, French tennis player Hugo Gaston was fined 144,000 euros, about 155. Uh, thousand dollars by the atp tour more than he's collected in prize money so far this year in 2023 for pulling a ball out of his pocket and throwing it on the court during a point in an attempt to get a (laughs) do-over it's his fourth unsportsmanlike conduct violation this season 
Okay, and then he did uh, appeal it. He got it halved to about $77,500 in terms of the overall fine. But this dude has like made like no money this year. He's made a little more than $120,000 in prize money this year. So he's losing more than two-thirds of that, or I guess not, about two-thirds of that in this fine alone. Way to go, dude. Bruh, what are you doing? I'm just going to, you know, toss this ball. And hope that no one notices. There's cameras. This is the ATV. This yeah. is pro tennis. They're 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 airing this stuff all over the world. It's not like the 1970s where like nobody's likely to yeah. see this. Like, yeah, come on. <laughs> not very smart. All right, <sighs> uh, some decent ones this week, but nonetheless, just I, my favorite part about this is just we get to highlight some of the stupid things that happen in sports on a weekly basis. It's always fun. All right. We will come back on the other side. I, I want to launch back in and talk a little further with Michelle. I want to talk with you about uh, what's going on in the conference realignment game and where things might stand. We'll get to all that that's coming up next right here on the Saturday show. Now this is a bump back right here. This is, uh, this is very sappy for us. Corey going going back. I love it. Uh, welcome back to the Saturday show. We are ninety seven point five FM DKSL Sports. It's so in a good mood. I like that. Nice pull, Corey. Well done, sir. All right, uh, Michelle Bodkin there. Jay Catch here breaking things down for you guys. Uh, it is Memorial Day weekend, by the way. So I uh, hope you all out there are having a great time, no matter what you're doing. Uh, traffic yesterday trying to leave the Wasatch Front, at least southbound, was absolutely Horrendous. insane. Um, like I live on Redwood Road in Saratoga Springs, so okay. we see like we see traffic from time to time. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, though. I, like I looked at my back door window because I can see Redwood River from my back door, and I'm like looking. I'm like, is there an accident? <laughs> no, it was just traffic. No. They just <laughs> people were trying to because I-15 was jacked up. There were accidents, and obviously just with the the mass number of yeah. people trying to leave at the same time, it was backed up. And people I think were trying to like kind of route around it by using Redwood Road. Uh-uh. It didn't work out. Uh-uh. No, uh-uh. <laughs> but, no. And nonetheless, I, I hope you all are having a great time, uh, Michelle. What do you? Did your family do anything sp- specific for Memorial Day? It's always kind of a low key thing for the Hatch family. Yeah, I my family tends to kind of avoid some of the bigger, like traditional, hall like get summer start or end end summer holidays uh, just because everybody else has the same idea uh, we are people that do not generally speaking like crowds outside of like sporting events so yeah like <laughs> for like growing up like it's the unofficial kickoff to summer it's yeah. kind of 100 days of summer as most people refer to it for us at the hatch household it was always like all right let's just let's let's pull out the grill and yeah. make we do something at home steaks burgers we did uh, I I like to venture out a little bit more. I've made like kebabs in the past and oh, whatnot. Ooh, so kebabs. Sound I may have great. to. I'm gonna. I'm thinking I have to do something with the Traeger this week, and we'll figure that out along the way. I'm hoping to play some golf as well, though. So we'll see what happens. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah I, you know what? If the weather maybe cooperates, I'd love to like just sit in the sun. Well, but you yeah, know, those thunderstorms keep ruining that plan. <laughs> well, so that's the. I've seen like everybody like all week long looking like because you, you like get, you have your responsibilities in the morning, the afternoon, but they're. Yeah. Okay, after work, whatever, I'm going to go out and do something. Like, every day this week, there's yep. been, like, thunderstorms Thwarted. popping up. So it's kind of crazy stuff. Um, 
I'm seeing on the KSL weather app currently, Sunday's got isolated thunderstorms, but then Monday should be clear, it says. Okay. So, well, we'll you see. know what? Fingers crossed that nothing blows up on Monday and it will actually be a day off. And by the way, 82 degrees for Memorial Day? Money. That's great. That's a great weather day. All right. Uh, let's get back to actual sports topics at hand, but nonetheless, hope you guys have a great weekend ongoing or coming up. But Michelle, when it comes to the conference realignment game, you've been very good about both reporting what you're hearing and also inserting your personal thoughts on the matter. And that's that's part of what we do here. Yeah. Like I I we have I have a running joke with a fellow media member of ours in this market that uh, I happen to do what they call um infotainment is, is what we've, we've come down to. It's information, but it's also entertainment melded into one. That's what we call infotainment. There you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we try and meld those two together because there's there's a product here that requires that. But when it comes to the conference realignment thing, it's almost the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> is it really, though? <laughs> okay, and let, let me explain why I, why I say that because I know you're like, what? But the, the point is is that there is so much uh, going on with it. It's true. That it's so nebulous. It's like, true. There's literally no like – you can't hold anybody down to anything it feels like. So it just keeps propagating itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean here's the thing is we – for the most part, everybody that's kind of – covered this at least as far as i can gather Mm -hmm. we're all very focused on kind of one specific outcome but like the fact of the matter is there are a lot of other things off to the side exactly forward backwards that are kind of bubbling that could change that trajectory in a heartbeat and they don't have to necessarily be big things either no no some of some of these things are just very like small Things um, I, I've mentioned it before. There are a lot of lawsuits that are kind of bubbling on the edge. That if any one of them goes through, completely changes the narrative on what we think or or are expecting to happen with NIL, conference expansion, TV deals, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. It, it I mean really could make it go in a very different direction than what we've been talking about. Um, and that's just one example there. And again, kind of talking about yeah. from like two segments ago, everybody's talking to everybody. Now, how serious or not serious those conversations are up up for debate. But like you best believe like people are constantly in each other's ears oh. and they're feeling out, investigating, seeing what's up. Um, e- even in what fans view and even media people view in quiet times when our radar radars aren't up and we're not <laughs> thinking that something's going to happen. This is why we've seen big things like Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC. Sure. That's why we've seen, you know, U- USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten. These conversations are happening all the time. Mm-hmm. All well, the time. Okay, but to your point on the on that, we had Mark Harlan on on this very show, and mm-hmm. he talked about the day like the, he he sort of refers to it as the, like that's the anniversary in a way for him. Yeah, of when the, the news broke of UCLA and USC, and he said he was driving, he gets a call from his buddy, and he's like, "Hey, and what did he say? He's like some like condolences or something like that." He's like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> he's like, call me when you get home, right? Like, yeah, you don't want to hear this while you're driving, yeah, and that's what it is. Is there? You're right. The conversations are always ongoing. And in the aftermath of those kind of almost momentum changing events, mm-hmm. that's when you kind of look back and look for like the different indicators along the way that yeah. should have in some ways 
cued you off maybe yeah. that something was going on for sure. So and that but that's the interesting part about this is where this ultimately is going to end, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, so, so that 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 that's why I said this, it's almost the gift that keeps yeah. on giving because yeah. it's just it's ongoing and seemingly never ending. There will be an end point for the Pac-12 Quote in this. Unquote, yes, end point. Yes, but guess what? The ACC is festering out there. What what the what do you call them? Uh, if we title them the Magnificent the s- Seven, so- something Seven. Yeah, Half it might have been magnificent. Like the the bigger teams in that conference are trying to like essentially jailbreak and get out of their deal so they can cash in on more money. And I understand why. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. But, okay. That was a bad deal. So let's say the nobody's pa- signing a deal like that anymore. Uh, nor for should good they. reason. And there was actually a funny thing is that the the like hard and fast rules that were built into that are built off of the Big 12's previous deal that Texas and Oklahoma had to extricate themselves from. It's funny how different things influence all of this, but the bigger I think point is the Pac-12 may close the door on their current situation at some point here in the next. I think June 30 is probably yeah. the, the drop dead date in a way for that to get done. But they may close the door on it for now because guess what? Then the ACC's got their door over here. The Big Ten we found out in the past week or so has uh, multiple loose strings with their much celebrated billion dollar TV deal yeah. that have been left like left not wrapped up yeah kevin warren just was like i I got the job with the chicago bears see you guys you have fun i'm gonna tell you all this is done (laughs) but surprise and yeah so their their new commissioner comes in he's probably like all right so where do we stand on that like well and he's like huh like bad words we can't say yeah so on radio (laughs) so that's why i say this is going to this is almost non-stop ongoing and won't stop at least for the foreseeable future because yeah. it seems like every time one of the door closes there is another door that's opening even if it's just to a, a crack like okay that's kind of the next part that we're yeah. and how long till that door it, well and it's it's one of those things like this has been mentioned several times before mm-hmm. this is a very very new world that's getting covered yes like i mean these deals, these things, these conversations have been happening since the beginning of time mm-hmm. in sports, at least when sports started getting broadcast. There, there have been How talks a, about commentary alignment going back to the 1910s. Yeah. Just saying. So, I mean, like, this isn't anything, like, new, but it's new in the sense that fans and media people all of a sudden care. And, <laughs> you know, a, a lot of us sports media people, myself included, like, mm-hmm. that's not where my contacts lie. Like, I, and also not where my knowledge lies. Like, I thought about doing the law route, and I took a hard swerve. And, like, here here we are. Now I'm having to figure out, you know, what some of these contracts and clauses and all that kind of stuff are saying. So, basically, Dad, you're welcome. I kind of am like a lawyer <laughs> at this point. Yeah, um, good point. I, I get that, yeah. Uh, or at least it feels like it yeah. in some ways. But, uh you know, so so there's a lot of just trying to figure out how do we cover this? Who do we need to talk to in mm-hmm. order to get information on this? And it's ever-changing. It's not easy, again. And it's because a lot of times, actually not a lot of times, all the time, you know, you have people signing. The people that actually know have signed non-disclosure agreements. And so yeah. you're just not going to get a whole lot out of it. And so if people are reporting really, really big juicy things happening Mm -hmm. with something again it's kind of one of those 
take it with a bit of a it, it as the uh, Colorado AD said, Your Rick George, Rick yeah. George, you know, only believe a third of what you hear, and sure. and it's just because like the scope of who is going to know what is going on is so so small, yeah, um, that that again. You're not going to hear the big stuff, you know, U- USC, UCLA leaving for the Big Ten until it's basically a done deal. It was a done deal. It was 24 hours. And it was like, all right, vote's been taken. They're in. Let's go. Yeah. Like that, that's the thing about it is they're, they're going to they're, – they're working in back, room, back rooms essentially. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily they're always – like, but they're, they're working in secret. And then when it finally breaks, it's already – deal's done. Like, yeah. It's been agreed to. It's a it's a mere formality. There's a rubber stamp on it, and on you go. So it, that's why I wanted to discuss this further. Is I thought, in my opinion, so this this is the reason why I'm writing this up is Barry Trammell. I've known him for we had him on maybe I've been with DJ and PK for a decade almost now, mm-hmm. and we've had him on off and on throughout the majority of that time. We've had him on fairly regularly in the last five or so years. Barry has been here. We've had him in studio. I've driven him around Salt Lake when the <laughs> Thunder were playing. I just gave him a ride. And he's he is a great, great dude. Just a great dude. He's also been one of the guys who has been very, I guess, quote unquote, quiet with regards to the conference yeah. realignment stuff. So for him this week to put in that article that he talked with, uh, and he said with uh, DJ and PK that was a coach. He, did, he had that tidbit in our radio interview. A coach told him that uh, the whole thing about Colorado leaving for the Big 12, quote, soon, he said he sat on it for a few days until he actually saw the news come out with regards to Kirk Schultz telling that Washington State was essentially, we have no more money. We're on the verge of bankruptcy. Like, we just we, we have to slow down our hiring, non-essential travel, all that stuff. He said, that to me was kind of a signal. So for Barry to come out and say that to me, like you talk about our antenna as media professionals, I was like, all right, something's up here. And then Rick George cracks the door open a little bit with yeah. regards to the comments he says to uh, Brian Howell, who we had on earlier on in today's show. You can go listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. To me, there seems to be a little bit of movement, more so than we've had in the past month or so, in my opinion. What per- do you think? Perhaps the Washington State stuff has been a little weird to me because sure. I... And maybe I'm just a big dum-dum and I I don't understand how this works, but... Their financial problems to me really don't have much, if anything, to do with what's going on with the media deal. Well, he, they need to have a comptroller and or a, 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 an accountant inside their athletic department. Saying, yeah. Hey, by the way, we spent all the money that we have allotted for this year. Like, where's that person? Yeah, that, that's the first thing. On yeah, that front. yeah. That for me, that is just more of a singular. That's a Washington State issue. Okay. That's not a Pac-12 issue because I mean you look at it you have Cal that also for years and years and years has been dealing with you know a very similar issue and nobody's talking about or trying to link that to what's going on with their their debt load is insane you're right um and even before UCLA jumped to the big tent like UCLA has this and nobody's connected those dots so I think that's a completely separate issue that's people trying to make something link things that may not be yeah, okay. I, I don't. I don't really think that has anything to do with it. Um, the Pac-12 might want to talk to Washington State about uh, not dropping irrelevant things. 
well, at a bad time. Yeah, but that, yeah, you're, to your point, it's a very good... it was a bad PR move, I think. Yeah, because um, it's going to get linked to that. It is. Of course it is. Of course it is. I don't blame anyone for wondering about that. Mm-hmm. And again, and maybe I'm missing something to where there is a link there, but I just don't think there is. Okay, let me add one other uh, nugget to all of this. So John Kinzano and John Wilner do that podcast. Kinzano mm-hmm. and Wilner do the podcast. This week on that podcast, I listened to it. I think I actually do a fairly good job because I want to get some of their insights because they're very much in the know. They're very like. connected to the Pac-12. They said the $50 million, uh, what was it, was it $50? They, they withheld $50 million from a TV partner, which most mm-hmm. people think is Comcast. Mm-hmm. They said that's a conservative number. They think the number is actually higher. They think it could be in the 60 or $70 million range. I mean, that would not shock me in the slightest. So- but so that one to me, the you said I am I. The more you talk about it, the Washington State one, I feels like it's more of a one-off in a way. Mm-hmm. But for them to for those two to admit that that fifty million dollars may be a conservative number and that could be as high as sixty or seventy million, we also learned that for them to reconvert their lavish office space that they built in downtown uh, San Francisco back into office space is going to cost ten million dollars. You're if that all that money adds up. That's $100 million the conference has to come up with now mm-hmm. to extricate themselves from a hole all the while while they're trying to get as much money as they can out of their next media rights deal. That, I think, is adding a little bit to some of this panic. That, that I think, makes a lot more sense to me. Okay. Um, and to be perfectly honest, like, I, to be very frank and honest, yeah. like, the Pac-12 screwed themselves over. Well, a certain uh, individual with the Pac-12, in my opinion, screwed them over. Well, Larry Scott, but <laughs> yeah. the presidents they have the say-so as to whether or not he's still employed. And, yeah. I mean, they knew he was taking extravagant money and still said, okay, keep working for us. Yeah, get your $50 million you um, earned from us. There you know, you and, and yeah. the, the, the crazy, lavish studio in the heart of downtown San Francisco, like, why that ever moved from Walnut Creek mm-hmm. in the first place, like, and the the private suites in Las Vegas and the, the, charter, the flights. charter flights. Yeah. And again, like, that is on the Pac-12. Okay. That, that is 1,000% on the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 leadership. Mm-hmm. And to say otherwise, I think, is irresponsible. Like, like you could you could have stopped this forever ago. <laughs> And you chose not to. Sure. Um, so yeah, now now you are having to live with some of the consequences, and you know that that is maybe repaying some of these debts in a time when you know I I think you'll probably get a fine media deal. I think it's probably going to be in line with you know the the ACC, the Big Twelve, um, but is that enough to 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 cover all of these past errors, you know, I, it's it's just one of those things. I think this is a lesson in being diligent at all times because you never know when that's going to come back and bite you. Well, yeah, that's actually a very good point is you some decisions today, as you said, can affect you a ways down the road and you don't necessarily know the whole law of unintended consequences of how this is all playing out. This to me is just it feels like and I, I I I'm at the point where I thought things were dying down. Yeah. And this past week it almost it just kind of reignited. Not to the same level that it was, if that yeah. makes sense. 
But th- it's a it's a more slow simmer. Yeah, but there were comments made this week from Barry Trammell, most notably, and also Rick George from Colorado, that made me think. All right, there is some discontent now. I think that is out there. On the, this is the Colorado side of things. Yeah, like, there's also people saying like Barry came on and said he thinks Arizona is the most likely to jump of all of them. That's what he said. And we've heard Arizona rumored for months now about that. But the the, the situation at hand is to your point is you are looking at a $70, 80000000 million hole you've got to extricate yourself from as of the Pac-12, and then at the same time, you're trying to battle the bad PR of this ongoing media rights deal. Mm-hmm. It's, there's, just, there's, a lot there's of, a lot going on. There's a lot of storm clouds. There's a lot going on, and I mean, again, do, do we really fully know all the moving pieces? I mean— And that also, to that point. You know, yeah. uh, because I have— heard and been told that the Pac-12 presidents are more than happy to just let people chatter and talk. They really don't <laughs> care. So, sure. you know, at, at are these dark, looming clouds really as dark as we're making them out to be? I I mean, may, maybe we'll find out but, sometime but this summer. Yeah, sure. But to, the, the point you're making, I think, is right, is we won't know mm-hmm. until it's done. Because... Mm-hmm. We can all look back at the Oklahoma-Texas deal and say, okay, there are markers in that whole storyline. They're like, okay, that's the roadmap to what happened. The same thing with the UCLA and USC thing. Carolyn Folt essentially shutting down any chance of uh, conference expansion a year before she leaves. Yeah. That was dirty, by hmm. the way. By the way, uh, w- w- that's a major, like, oh, no wonder they she shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. So I, th- th- there are a lot of moving pieces. Um it's going to be, I don't know. This is just, people are going to be studying this oh, yeah. on the journalism front and the sports marketing front mm-hmm. for ages, both from the Big 12's perspective and the Pac 12's perspective, because oh, yeah. we're just seeing things we've never seen before. And there, I was made aware of a comment mm-hmm. from a different conference commissioner okay. that's just been absolutely perplexed by. Just the weirdness going on. Like their words were, "This is not how we do things in college sports." They haven't for years. Yeah, but it seems it, to be it changing. seems to be the new norm. Yeah, exactly. Perhaps like it's a because for decades they operated very much in kind cordially. of cordially. Yeah, cordially. Yeah, but it's it's been a little contentious, yeah. and I, and I get it because I think. Everybody feels like we're in a survival of the fittest mm-hmm. type mode at the moment. I, how realistic that is or isn't, I, I don't know at this point, but uh, that seems to be how everybody feels sure. at this point in time. And so it, it does feel like any moves that you know anybody not the Big Ten or the SEC make at the moment is just to survive to the next round. Mm-hmm. Um and then we see what happens from there. But and maybe maybe that's not maybe maybe one of these little bubbles off to the side that we're not talking about so much yeah. changes that narrative. But for the here and now, that's kind of what it looks like. That's kind of where the storyline is being constantly steered. And like I said, hopefully there's at least a resolution coming soon ish to, ho- to, to this part. Don't hold your breath, but we'll see. All right. <sighs> It's always fun. Like I said, the gift that keeps on giving. 
even if it, even though if it may not be the gift that you want, like it's, that, it, it that continues. That gift might ruin my yeah. liver. <laughs> <laughs> All right, more in a moment. We'll get the five minutes of this is the Saturday show right here on ninety seven point five FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show. Nice pull on neon trees. Corey, nicely done. Utah born and raised band here. I know that uh, only a couple of them are Utah natives in the band itself, but it was started here in mm-hmm. Provo. Um, played it like the Valor in Provo when they first started. So nice pull. I, I have a connection to neon trees that I'll have to tell you about off air. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I'm interested to hear that. I've actually seen them in concert at Valor once upon a time, but. Uh, I'm interested to hear that because they they seem to have a lot of connections in this community just simply due to the fact that they're born and raised here in Utah. Oh yeah, it was an interesting time. I <laughs> I saw it on your face. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get some details in the break. All right, uh, welcome back. Uh, it's time to get to five minutes of, and I want to start off uh, with regards to Carl uh, Malone uh, making some headlines from the Utah Jazz. Uh, now we all know this since the pandemic started, the sports memorabilia market is just booming like you can make all kinds of money if you have something that people want like well Carl Malone uh has sold uh let's see it was 24 pieces of memorabilia from the 92 Summer Olympics USA basketball dream team um game used sneakers and uh jerseys from all 12 members and he's made about five million dollars in the in the auction of these items uh and unsurprisingly Michael Jordan took the took the cake, Michelle. Do you have any idea how much uh, Michael Jordan's? It was a number nine white jersey worn during a dismantling of Lithuania in the semifinals of that run to the gold medal. Any idea on how much that jersey went for? First of all, yes, definitely not shocked he took the top spot. It's MJ, yeah. Uh, I think you told me off air to start, mm-hmm. and I I don't remember at this point 3.003 million so 3 million 3000 essentially so just an over 3 million dollars for one jersey and it is signed uh, by MJ it says to Carl it says to Carl good luck uh, Michael Jordan and he actually signed it with number 9 he didn't sign it with his normal number 23 that he wore obviously when he's playing in the NBA wow so crazy. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Other things here. Oh, uh, so that was a record, by the way, for any game use uh, Olympics Jordan item. Uh, like there's the whole story. And uh, I know that Corey and uh, you, Michelle, probably remember this. He that those jerseys were made by champion as a Reebok warmups that were part of the Olympic team's deal. But MJ purposely hit it with the Olymp- with the USA flag because he's a Nike athlete. Oh, yeah. So, well, well, and other athletes have done similar yeah, things well, at yeah. other points, well, too. Yeah. Tiger Woods famously, I don't know if people know this, when early on in his career, he putted with a ping putter that had a ping grip on it. It was blacked out with a Sharpie so that it would hide the fact that it was a ping, like it was a Nike. It wasn't not Nike. <laughs> It happens. Got to do what you got to do. Yeah, but uh, good on Carl uh, Malone making $5 million off that. It, it, it sounds like, and I, I didn't know this. I, I guess maybe I should have uh, ventured into Carl Malone Toyota in some of these places more often. This collection for years was displayed at one of his car dealerships here in Utah. I didn't know that huh. part of the story. So Interesting. Yep. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, uh, so he reached out to Ken Golden uh, and then decided to sell it. Uh, Golden obviously runs a, an auction house. And yeah, so good time. So uh, Magic Johnson had a jersey went for three hundred and thirty six thousand dollars. Larry Bird's jersey from that same Lithuania game went for three hundred and sixty large. Huh. 
I don't know why you would want to pay $91,000 for game-use sneakers for Larry Bird, but those are records uh, set for the Larry Bird merchandise side of things. MJ had a pair of uh, game-worn sneakers from the 92 Tournament of the Americas, which was actually the tune-up to the Olympics. That went for four hundred and twenty grand that Malone had in his collection. Yeah, the the whole concept of wanting people to use shoes, gross. (laughs) Like, look, I love shoes. I do not love used shoes. Michelle does have elite shoe game. I will give you that. Thank you. But to your point, I'm not wearing some. I'm not buying somebody's game worn shoes. Like, no, I I will go broke to make sure that um, I I I'm not buying used shoes. Well, and that's the thing about it is I just I look at the opportunity uh, with regards to the the sports memorabilia market. Like, where do people have all this money? Also, that <laughs> who who is going to donate to my cause? Because y'all have stupid amounts of money lying around. That's... I think I'm a great investment. How about we like throw some of that my way instead of buying a used jersey? Gross. I don't know. It, to me, I just I'm just like. <laughs> It's a lot of money. You you have a lot of money, a lot of discretionary money, I guess, is at at that uh, to be doing buying a jersey from a, a semifinal Lithuania game for three million dollars. Like that's just, I just yeah, I can't even fathom just throwing that kind of money around casually. Yeah. <laughs> You and me both. Um, other things that we need to talk about. Obviously, we are all still uh, hoping and praying and. Wishing for Major League Baseball to come here to Utah. We all know that the Big League Utah obviously said that the two things needed to happen. You need to have the Oakland Athletics uh, re- resolve their stadium situation. You also have to have, have the Tampa Bay Rays resolve theirs. Well, we have some movement on the athletic side of things. They had to move the land that they were going to purchase, the Tropicana, which is one of the historic landmarks on the Strip. Uh, under the current deal will be knocked down. That's, wow. that's where they're going to put the new uh, stadium if they build it. By the way, the rendering of it looks absolutely awesome. It'll look out over the Strip, it looks like. I don't know if you've seen it, Michelle. Uh, but there was a bill introduced in the Nevada State legislature that would give the Oakland Athletics up to $380 million uh, for a potential 30,000-seat, $1.5 billion retractable roof stadium on the Strip. Um, that is actually pales in comparison to the amount of money that the that Vegas and the state of Nevada gave to the Raiders wow. to build a Legion Stadium. That was somewhere, if I'm not mistaken, was in the $800 million range uh, to get a Legion Stadium done. So if uh, the A's are intent on doing this and everything says that they are, they are going to have to accept less money to build their new home on the Strip, but at least they're going to get some help. Well, I I mean, it's better than a kick in the pants, right? And sure. it sounds like uh, that's kind of been the case in Oakland. Uh, is it's just been a constant kick in the pants for them there. So someone's willing to step up. I guess that's kind of where you go. That's the name of the game. That's that's the business. Uh, so yeah. So if you're trying to, if you're a baseball fan living here in Utah, or you you want to see Major League Baseball in the state. This is one of the things that needs to be done. Like you just got to, you got to, you need the Nevada State Legislature. They apparently have a week left in their legislative session here. They've got to essentially just get it done. Like make this deal. Uh, let the Athletics officially start building their stadium. Uh, it apparently, could be ready in time for the 2025 season. So once that part of it's done, mm-hmm. that's one of the check marks on the wish list for Big League Utah. Here is Athletics done. Turn your attention over to the Rays and say, Tampa, figure out what you're doing. There is obviously the 
co-founder of the Orlando Magic, who says he wants to build a multi-billion dollar venue in Orlando hmm. to, to have a Major League Baseball team move there. A lot of people have connected the Rays potentially, leveraging themselves out of Tampa and moving to Orlando to move into that. It would be adjacent to the Walt Disney World landmass that they own there. That gets done, and then at that point, then the expansion thing becomes... The the new thing to yeah. worry about, talk so about. So th- that's, if you're keeping track at home, and I think a lot of you that are baseball fans are, that's what needs to happen. You've got to ha- get the athletics done here. This could be That could be locked up if the Nevada State Legislature agrees on this. It has to be go through their state assembly as well as the state senate. Once they agree to that, I think the athletics can then firm up their plans, break ground, build stadium. Then you turn your attention to Tampa figure that out, and then at that point, finally, it's who gets the expansion franchise. And that's when Salt Lake, I think, will really drill down on saying, Hey, we're here. Hi, it's us. Let's go. And that, that, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what happens. I I, I want to see it happen. I'm, I, there, I'm not a huge baseball fan. I'm not a baseball purist by any means. Right. But there is nothing like hanging out at the ballpark. Oh, agreed. And like I said, with the bees moving to daybreak, like sure. – there's not a chance in hell. Come hang out with me, Michelle. It's like I'm driving out to daybreak for a baseball game, but I, I am on the west side of Utah Valley. But even getting to daybreak for me, it's a little bit of an adventure because I have to go yeah. up around the mountain range there into Harriman and then venture. It's going to be interesting to see how that how that dynamic uh, changes, like in terms of the overall dynamics of who attends bees games etc i'm interested to see how that goes down because that's that's supposed to happen in time for 2025 right right yeah no very very i i don't ever see myself and again it's not a salty petty thing like it's just a it's not convenient for me uh, and i have no reason to be out that way so um but but a major league ballpark it's somewhere kind of downtown ish well where they've picked that that power district it's out over on i-80 I'm not sure you could have picked a better spot. Yeah. Frankly, like if, if you wanted to pick a spot in this city, I guess call it, or Salt Lake County, it's right off I-80. To me, it gives me the vibes that you've been to uh, You've been to Southern California, Orange County. You're driving down the 5, and you mm-hmm. see the big A, yeah. like Angel Stadium. That's the kind of vibe I get would happen if it were to happen out there at the Power District. Is okay. You'd just be driving along I-80, maybe you could be from out of town driving to the, to the airport to leave town, and you see – the stadium. I was like, "Oh, there it is." Right. It becomes right. it becomes an icon. That's yeah. the thing about it. Yeah, uh, I I don't know. I just think there's plenty of potential there, and I'm kind of excited about it. So uh, let's get it done. It would be fun, and it would be interesting. Um, I do want to talk about RSL, but we will take the break here. We'll come back on the other side. Uh, RSL in action tonight. They've uh, found some form. It looks like we'll talk about that as we round out this edition of the Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. All right, uh, getting things wrapped up here on this edition of the Saturday show. It's good to be back, by the way, taking a week off. I actually miss this show a lot. People ask me, I'm like, why do you do it? I'm like, it's fun. It literally, it's just, it's fun to do. It's just a sweet, breezy two hours Uh of kind of 
I think in a lot of ways talking more about what we want to talk about rather than what we have to talk about. In some ways, sure. But for example, so we had Brian Howell on the show today from the Boulder Daily Camera. Well, guess what? He makes news yesterday afternoon or slash evening with comments he got from Colorado AD Rick George. Uh, Unrivaled may have talked about it a little bit yesterday, but it, but to get the full picture of it, guess what? We get the that, lucky, that was us. Yeah, we get the opportunity. We don't that have to, was all us. We don't have to wait for that. So that that's that's the fun part about that as well. It's just fun to do. And we I, get the Friday news dumps. We do, and that sometimes they are quite fun, <laughs> especially on holiday weekends too, because those are the perfect times for news dumps. If you're if you're gonna dump something like you you want to put something out there into the ether that you want to be buried, you hope will disappear. <laughs> Memorial Day weekend is one of those weekends to get it done. Just remember, we're here, though, to talk about it. We will. We'll we'll talk about it. You won't get away with it. Yeah, no doubt about that. (laughs) Uh, But uh, that's been the fun part. All right, before we go here, uh, RSL is back in action tonight. They've been a little bit of road warriors recently. They have made it to the round of eight, the quarterfinals uh, of the U.S. Open Cup, Michelle. They've played three straight midweek matches over the past three weeks to punch their ticket to that. Uh, They obviously have been playing MLS uh, matches alongside that. The bigger thing is they now head to Minnesota tonight, and hopefully they can continue to kind of pile up some of these results because we had Elliot Fall, the RSL GM, on with DJ and PK yesterday, and he came on and said that we're still evaluating all options with regards to the transfer window upcoming for the summer, and we do know that we need to upgrade the talent, but you've got what you got right now, Mm -hmm. and you're having a decent run here, and Pablo's talked about it. He's like, goals have changed everything, and it was actually really funny. He came on with... DJ and PK Tuesday in the lead up to the so they played Colorado last Saturday and they played Colorado Wednesday. It was funny how they played them two times, two different competitions. But he came on and DJ's like, "So uh, Pablo, you've had a couple of these zero zero draws recently. Like uh, when it comes to just uh, goal scoring, what's been like goals? We didn't have any goals, so getting goals was a good thing. It was just so funny how he answered it. You can go back and listen to it on the podcast. He's just he's like, it's good, it's good to see goals." Well, you know, scoring's like half the point of doing this. Yeah. So Com- com- competition. Yeah. I, you know, I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. But so we'll see what happens. Uh, they take on Minnesota tonight. Uh, the funny thing is, RSL sits in eleventh place, Michelle, but Minnesota sits in fifth place. You know, how many points are separating those two in the standings, though? Is it even a full point? It's it, it's three. So, okay. So, so so tonight you win tonight in Minnesota. You're going to be tied on points with Minnesota. You leap up if everything breaks your way into the playoff standings. It, Soccer's crazy like that, people. It, it is a little bit nuts, and there's no doubt about that. And uh, So, yeah, if you want to uh, catch coverage of that, the RSL pre-match show begins at 5.30 here on the KSL Sports Zone. Uh, you'll have a f- – no, excuse me. Yeah, I didn't know it was 5.30. 6.30 of kick. I apologize. I I was getting ahead of myself. I'm like, hold on. It's been 7.30 the last two games because it's been in Colorado, but Minnesota's in the central time zone, so it moves up an hour. Moves so the time up. 5.30 pre-match show, uh, 6.30 DJ, and Jay Nolly will be on the call, but I don't even know sometimes. if I, I say Jay Nolly's on it sometimes, and sometimes he's not, so I know DJ will be here. Dave James will be here for you. He's got you. So that's the one thing I can assure you of. All right, uh, Michelle, any other thoughts as we go out the door here that you'd like to hit on that we have not hit on quite yet? I was going to say, have anything else Utah going on? softball. Yeah, go, I, go up to the ballpark. Hopefully the weather will be okay. 
Yeah, well, and that's the thing is it looks like it should be. That's the thing about this also is that uh, with regards to Utah softball, they've got to win today. Yep. Their backs are against the wall yep. now. It's, it's literally do or die today. If they don't win today, it's over for them. Mm-hmm. If they win today, then... Play tomorrow. We play tomorrow. What's tomorrow's first pitch if they do play? Do we have a time on that? Uh, I someone told me it was noon. I okay. have not verified that, but I trust who told me. Okay. So, so we're gonna go with that. It's noon. All right, fair enough. So, uh, so now with regards uh, to that, this is a big deal for the Utes, mm-hmm. and this actually is a. I, just one quick thought before we go here is this is just kind of another thing like Utah athletics as a whole is taking a leap that I think a lot of Utah fans have hoped for for years. Uh, the ba- the basketball and football programs have all had their moments, but it's fun to see the quote-unquote Olympic sports here getting their chance. Men's golf made the NCAA, turn- uh, NCAA championships just a couple seasons ago. Uh, BYU men are actually in that right now. But it's fun to see Utah softball taking the leap. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of firsts for Utah athletics this year. And actually, if we want to go in and kind of tie into one of the big over-reigning topics of today, um, you know, with conference expansion and everybody's talking to everybody, Utah's success, I can almost, I am willing to guarantee you, not an entire accident or a happy coincidence. Sure. Um, The... they're peaking at the right time, and mm-hmm. there's, in my opinion, there's reasons why they're peaking at the right time. There's reasons why you're seeing teams winning the way that they're winning. There's reasons why you're getting reports that they're graduating and having the GPAs that they're mm-hmm. getting. Um, there's stuff going on on the academic side. There's reasons why you're hearing about all of these things in conjecture at once. And when we had Mark Harlan on, mm-hmm. I mean, he kind of said, you know, after things, after the bucket got kicked last year, last sure. summer, you know, the message to everybody was you handle your part mm-hmm. of things and we'll handle our part of things. Again, there's reasons, people. There's reasons. <laughs> well, and that's the nice part is that you're just seeing that you're seeing the investment payoff. Mm-hmm. And that's what you always want. So you want to see the ROI, the return on your investment. And Utah is capitalizing on that right now. And the nice part is, it's fun to see these teams doing as well as they're doing. And here's the thing. I'm rooting for Utah softball. I'm married to a softball player. We want nothing more than to see softball in the state continue to kind of grow in its popularity. It's a cold weather state. We get that. But trust me, uh, my wife would love, love nothing more than to see softball continue to get bigger and bigger here because it's a sport that I think thrills a lot of people. Once you actually take the time mm-hmm. to check it out. It, it is. It's fun. And, you know, there are, there aren't necessarily a lot of options for women out there. And so, you know, softball growing in popularity in the, in the state yeah. is just one more thing that, you know, you can send your daughters off to do and, and may, maybe they have a future in it. Well, that, that that's the thing about it. Is it just, it opens up a whole nother opportunity and it exposes your kids to another avenue of something they may enjoy doing. But Hey, three o'clock, we'll be rooting for the Utes and seeing, seeing how they do in that super regional fun to have it by the way, here in mm-hmm. Salt Lake city for the first time. All right. That's going to do it for Corey, Michelle. Thank you to all of you for tuning in. We will have, have a great rest of your Saturday. Have a great Memorial day weekend. Uh, just a programming note. Uh, no shows Monday. We are off air on Monday. We'll have run uh, Fox Sports National, but then we'll be back on Tuesday, breaking everything down for you. So until then, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. I'm Dave Cauley. 
investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.